If you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 119. We've got to get going because we're going to go verse by verse through Psalm 119. Don't worry, there's only 176 verses. Just kidding. Psalm 119, we're not going to go verse by verse, um, don't worry. Um, so, uh, all of my life, uh, I have enjoyed hunting, I've been taught to hunt, and when I, when I talk about hunting, like, I'm not talking about, like, you know, garage sale hunting, you know, like, you know, some of you are maybe, like, into that, and you're, like, you find the, the prize, like, I'm talking about, like, hunting, like, I got a gun in my hand, and there's, like, you know, wild animals running around, you know, okay, sorry if, if that you're not into that, um, but I, all my life, I've, I've enjoyed that, I've enjoyed the thrill of that, the love of that, maybe some of you are into other types of hunting, um, I knew someone who was into, like, mushroom hunting, he would literally hunt his property for mushrooms, and I just thought that was always ironic, uh, I don't like mushrooms personally. Um, my wife does, but um, so yeah, we're, we're in disagreement about that. But um, but may, maybe you, you are into you know, getting the deal, getting the sale. I was at an auction yesterday. If you've ever been to an auction, anybody never been to an auction? Everyone's been to an auction. That's okay. Some of you uh, um, have never been to an auction. They're, they're an incredible experience. For one, you have no clue what the dollar amount is going. It's like, hey, give me five and five, you know, you're just lost, okay? Um, and so there's the auctioneers auctioning off this Rubbermaid bin, okay? And um, there's these two guys that are going back and forth, you know, you know, raising the price, going back and forth. And, and it's at like, okay, 10 bucks, $12, $13. It gets up to $25. I'm just like, I'm looking at these guys, and, and they're, they're both just like, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, I go over to my dad, I'm like, Dad, it's a, it's a Rubbermaid container. It went for $36. Okay, so, so the guy goes and he gets this Rubbermaid container, um, and I'm just kind of watching over there, and he, he reaches in, he pulls out a tailor-made golf club that was inside it. And I was like, huh. So I went up to him and I was like, so that's why you paid $36 for a rubbermaid container. He's like, yeah. He's like, actually, I have the set of irons and I don't have the driver and this is the driver, the $300 driver that matches my set. And he got it for $36. bucks. i am like, well done. Okay, I mean, he must have gone there and, and you know, was looking and, and found that you know, almost like in this case, a, a treasure. Um, you know, we've all, in, in some regard, come across different situations where it's, it's like that. Today, we're going to come to Psalm 119. And if you've spent any time in the scriptures, you've come to different places in, in the Bible that would be considered incredibly significant. And this chapter um, is incredibly significant. Um, an incredible treasure that defines the Word of God um, in, in powerful ways. It's one of my favorite, song, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, it is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's the longest psalm that we have, 176 verses. And you'll notice, if you look down at your Bible, um, you'll notice it's broken up. And I just want to explain this because maybe you've never heard this explained. But you'll notice it's broken up in eight verse sections. Um, and then there's these little weird words like Aleph, um, Gimel, Dalit, Het, Tet, Sin, Sheen, all these different weird, okay, it's the Hebrew alphabet, and, and the psalm is divided up 
into every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, so the first eight verses of Psalm 119, um, in the Hebrew, every um, verse begins with A. Okay? And then the second eight verses, every verse begins with B. And then the third, every verse begins with C, and so on and so forth. Okay? So it's part of the reason why when you read the psalm, it kind of seems like kind of all over the place. For whatever reason, the psalmist, it's believed to be David, chose to structure it this way um, in that format. Um, it's believed that this psalm was written over a long period of time, almost like the psalmist who's believed to be David, had a journal in his pocket. Like he's living life, and he's writing down his thoughts as he's living life. Okay, and, and one has, has suggested, and if it's interesting, if you read it, you begin to see that how the psalm kind of matures. Okay, almost like a, you know, a young boy started writing Psalm 119. And then throughout the course of many years, you begin to see as the psalm you know, comes forth and draws to a conclusion, you almost begin to see a man maturing in age and wisdom and experience. Written over a long period of time. Now, there's a danger this morning that I want to I speak out and I want to be very careful. So I have to do this, kind of this dance this morning. Don't worry, I'm not going to actually dance. But here's, here's the danger in what we're about to do, Okay. Um, I don't know about you, but if you've ever read Psalm 119, I read Psalm 119, I read verses like, um, I love your rules, they are my meditation all the day. And I'm just like, gosh, I feel like such a horrible person. I feel like a horrible Christian. Okay, like you, you read some of these scriptures and they're just like, I don't feel that way about God's word. Is, is anybody with me here? Okay. Am I, should we switch places? You know, should some of you come up here and do this, and I'll sit there, and you can, some of you, okay. No, like, so we're going to read a lot of different scriptures here in Psalm 119, and some of them are like, there's going to be the potential where you feel like you're just getting beat over the head, and the last thing I want you to do is walk out those doors feeling like you're beat over the head and guilted into this, okay? Have you ever been around someone that won't stop talking about something. Okay? To the point where, like, you're not quite sure if you're really on board with what they're saying. But the fact that they keep talking about it and keep talking about it, you maybe begin to consider what they're saying. Okay? Here, we're going to see that take place where what I pray will happen is we'll begin to see what the Word of God is and not feel ashamed because we don't necessarily say the same things, but that we'll be drawn into, wow, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something to run after here. So let me pray, and then we'll dive into that. Father God, I ask that you would accomplish that by your Spirit. That we could say, like David said, I love your law, for it is my meditation all day long. God, would you work that in our hearts? Would you mature us?
you mature us? Uh, would you speak now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, listen to this quote. One writer says, talking about Psalm 119, David has shaken every fruit tree in God's garden and gathered golden fruit therefrom. Most read their Bibles like cows that stand in the thick grass and trample under their feet the finest flowers and herbs. It is to be feared that we too often do the like. This is a miserable way of treating the pages of inspiration. May the Lord prevent us from repeating that sin while reading this priceless psalm. How often are we guilty of that? We just read through. Like we're trampling under feet, under our feet, what's so precious. Okay, but more than that, Jesus says in John chapter 5, he's talking to, I believe, the religious leaders, and he says this, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Look, this... Like I used to always do this illustration when I taught in a school is I'd take my Bible and I'd set it on the ground and I would stand on it. Okay, what, what am I depicting right now? If there's nothing intrinsically holy about this, like these pages and this book. Like I don't worship this book. I worship the God of this book. Okay, I don't worship these rules. I worship the God of these rules. Why? Okay, maybe you've, you have rules in your house or you had rules growing up. What do those rules demonstrate? They point to something. They point to what you value as a family, how you want your family shaped and led. Okay, it's the same thing here. What are the rules here? What, what is depicted in the scriptures? They depict the nature and character of God. They reveal to us what Jesus says himself. They bear witness about him and who he is. Now, as we read Psalm 119, you're, you're going to see um, several different words that are repeated. And so I want to point these out to you so you understand that these, these words are essentially synonymous. Okay, um, Words like word and law and saying, statutes, way, commandments, path, testimonies, precepts judgments, promises. Okay, see those words? Listen, this is crazy. 176 verses in Psalm 119. One of those words appears in every one of those verses. Okay, now, before you spend the rest of your time trying to prove me wrong there, okay, let me give this statement because some of you are like, he's wrong, okay? Listen, if the word doesn't specifically appear in the verse, there's some reference to one of those synonymous words. Okay, look, let me just show you. Um, look at verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Verse 3, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. Verse 4, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Verse 5, oh that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Verse 6, then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Okay, we could keep going. Okay, so there's a theme here of 
God's law, that which reveals the nature and character of God. But what I want to do is I want to spare you me walking through 176 verses because I have enough time getting through like 10 in the amount of time that, that we have. So we're just going to go thematic this morning. I want to, I want to show you five pictures, five um, pictures that are given in the Psalms to illuminate the Word of God. Here's the first one, um, a treasure. Look at verse 14. Um, if you have your Bible open to Psalm 119, we're going to like literally just kind of jump around in Psalm 119. So I'll say the verse, we'll look at that. Um, that's how we'll go this morning. Uh, the first thing is a treasure. Look at verse 14. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Jump to verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Verse 127. Therefore I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. And verse 162. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Yeah, like that guy who found that club hidden in that Rubbermaid container and probably no one else knew it was there but those two guys and he was willing to spend 36 bucks for a Rubbermaid container to get a $300 club. Okay, that's what it's talking about when it says great spoil. If you've seen the movie National Treasure, you understand this hunt for what's been, what's been lost. This like, you know, I'm going to beat the other guy to it. Right? Um, when Danielle and I got married, we got um, a gift, and, one, and it was a video camera, a DVD. Do you remember those things, guys? I mean, they were unbelievable back when we had DVDs. Actually, I guess we're really close to that being real, right? Um, so we had this DVD camera. When we got married, it was a gift. Well, when we moved, um, we lost it. Okay, you know, it was one of those things like I put it in this box. I knew the box I put it in, I knew right where it was because like our daughter was just born, so it's pretty valuable possession. And moved in to her parents' house and could not find it anywhere. So I'm like hunting everywhere, everywhere. Like, and finally I'm like, what in the world? We just lost this, who knows how much it costs, this camera that we got for, as a wedding present. And, uh, and so, no lie, two years later, I was in my father-in-law's office and for some reason, I had to look under the desk, and there it was, in the bag, underneath this desk. I don't know if he thought it was his, or I don't know how it got under there, but I'm like, you got to be kidding. Now it's like outdated, so it's like, um, but we have different things in our lives that we treasure, and treasure is oftentimes attached to some type of value, right? So whether you give it value, or whether like society gives it value, like there's things you treasure that maybe no one else would treasure, right? Like that golf club, like some of you are like, I wouldn't pay a dollar for that thing, right? Okay, um, there's different things, you have different, you place value and treasure on certain things that other people do not. Okay, what are some things, let's just speak generically here, what are some things, I'll spare you guys from asking you to tell me what you treasure, um, what are some things that we as a people, as a society treasure? Speak up. What? Title. Like your house, a car title? No, like all that too, all that too yes. <laughs> but look at my title, my position, my status. Yep. Money. Okay. 
power. What else? Beauty. What else? Respect. Image. How we're viewed by people. What else? Stuff. Stuff. Okay. Um, I wrote down relationships, time, reputation. Okay, now, now some of these things aren't, like, there's nothing wrong with treasuring relationships. In fact, I would hope on some level you would treasure relationships. Okay? Um, I would hope on some level that, that you would um, take care of some of the things that you have. Okay, but here's, here's the crazy thing. The, the psalm here just says... I treasure your word more than riches, more than anything else. But, but really what, what I think is trying to be communicated here is that the word of God informs everything. Okay, so I don't want to like pit like the word of God, like who should we treasure? Should I treasure the word of God more than I treasure my kids? Okay, but more than that, I, w- I want to see the word of God as a means to informing how I see kids, how I see my relationships, how I see my money, how I see my possessions, how I see, okay, I have a title. What do I do with that title? Is it wrong to have a title? You know, is it, is it wrong to be beautiful? Is it wrong to have certain things or to be a certain, okay, no. On some instances, sure. Okay, but here's the crazy thing. The word of God is what gives us lenses into the treasure. Do you see that? Okay, is it wrong that I hunted frantically for my video camera? No, but here's what's crazy, is the psalmist takes that type of pursuit and that type of hunt and says, do you see God's word as that? Like that it's that valuable. Now, Now here's the deal, some of us, Maybe today you're like, man, I just, I just don't. One, like, thank you for your honesty. Those of you that are thinking that, speak that to the Lord. Okay? But my prayer is that our time spent today, and we're going to spend next week in this same psalm, is that God would kind of gravitate our hearts to see the treasure that we have here. Okay? Because it's It's incredible. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting um, regarding seeing the Word of God is that, like, so we're moving into this digital age, right? And uh, so um, I, I hate, that's probably too strong of a word, I don't like reading my Bible on my, my phone or my iPad or my computer, as my, as even all the resources I have on all those things to study. Like, I don't like it. Like, I want my Bible in my hand, Okay, now, some of you like it, like, whatever, I know there's pros and cons to both, and, like, but, but here's what's the interesting to me, and kind of a concern for me, because when we talk about treasuring the Word of God, like, it's diminishing in our society, is it not? And I think one of the things that could potentially, now, you could maybe argue, well, it could get there faster, and, you know, we don't have to print them, and it's cheaper, and yeah, 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 okay, but here's, just, let me just speak personally for a second, when I talk about the Word of God, okay, I don't see my phone and think, there's a Bible in there, right? 
I don't. But like, this is so tangible to me. I don't have to click to get to anywhere. I'm sure I can search great ways with this and yeah. But like, it's just there. I can see it. And it's, it's a form of accountability. Like, wow, there's like two inches of dust. I probably should do something about that, right? Okay. Um, like, so I, one of the things that I think is interesting about our society and about the, the digital age is that we're potentially, there's the potential there for us to not, let me, let me do it this way. Your kids, in 20 years, what will they say about this book? Okay, some of you are like, kids, I don't have kids, I'll never have kids. Okay, I'm talking about spiritually. Okay, I'm not talking necessarily about your biological children. I'm talking about your spiritual children. Because if you're, you're a Christian, your biological children should also be your spiritual children that you're raising up in the faith. Okay, if you don't have biological children, then hopefully you have some spiritual children that you're birthing, that you're discipling up into affection for Jesus. Okay? In 20 years, what will those disciples say about the Word of God? And will their words about the Word of God be anything close to what's depicted here in Psalm 119? Man, I love it. I love it. It's a treasure. Um, the second thing, look at verse 103. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Okay, now, so I brought some honey, and uh, it's special honey. It's organic honey. I need some tasters. No, 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 just, just put your finger on it. <laughs> You're not going to look it. Who else? Who else wants some? Come on. Who wants to do the test? Come on, it's organic. It's, not, it's from Trader Andy, it's from Trader Joe's. She wants some. It wasn't organic, man. He's not putting her hand up. Hey, come on, somebody else. Come on. Okay. Come on, guys. This is like all the girls. Rocky, come on. He's not a honey guy. Anybody, anybody else? Anybody else? Is it good? You like the organic? You going to get the organic next time you go? Probably not. It's more expensive. It's an investment. No, we won't. We won't, we won't go there. Okay, now, listen to this quote that I found this week. It says this, if we would taste the honey of God, we must have the palate of faith. So honey depicts sweetness. Okay, now, you know, they're like, quickly, give me something to drink, Right? Okay, like there's a level to which when we talk about the Word of God, the image here is there's a sweetness to this, to your taste, but I think it depicts something even further than that. Okay, when you think about treasure, you think about tangible things that you could hold in your hand, here's the image that honey depicts. It's that you can experience it. Okay, that it's not just some thought process, not just some um, information but it, it presses us into who he is. It presses us into experiencing. It's like when in Psalm, I think it's 30, no, it's, I don't remember what it is, 34. Taste and see that the Lord 
is good. Okay, that, that, that's depicted by this imagery of, of honey. Okay, what, what makes the word of God sweet? Let me name a couple things. There's hope when you seem to have no hope. Like, I'm done. Like, there's no reason why I should continue living this thing called the Christian life because it's just not working for me until you come across the Word of God and you see there's hope when I feel like I've lost hope. There's direction when you seem to be lost. Where am I going? Am I supposed to buy this house? Am I supposed to send my kids to private school or Christian school? Am I supposed to homeschool them? Um, What college am I supposed to go to? Should I listen to my parents? Should I not listen to my parents? How should I treat my friends? How should I manage my money? There's direction that's found here. It's a testimony of our, God, of our great God and Savior. Who he is, what he's like. Listen, how you can know him, experience him. What will happen if you choose not to? How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Number three is a counselor. Look at verse 24. It says this, your testimonies are are my delight, they are my counselors. Flip over to verse 104. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. What's a counselor? Anybody? Are there any counselors in the room? One? What's a counselor? Should I make the counselor answer the question? Okay, plain and simple, let's just put it this way. Someone outside your situation, outside of your life that speaks into your life. Okay, maybe they have more experience, maybe they have some training, okay, but they, they're able to see from a, from a different perspective, whether professional or a friend, they give counsel, okay? Um, when I uh, was going to ask Danielle to marry me, I thought it was a fairly important question, um, fairly important decision, and so I went to one of my mentors, I was like, hey, here, here's what I'm thinking, what do, you, what do you think about that? He's like, man, you'd be crazy not to. No, so we just began talking about, like, is it the right time? Like, we're young. Like, you know, what, how, should, how should we do this? What, you know, we just navigated the decision. He just spoke into my life. He gave me counsel, okay? He'd been there before. He was older than me. He had experience. He knew the road. He knew me. He knew my wife, okay? When you go to college, if you've been to college, what do you have? You have an advisor, right? And what's the advisor say? Yes, you will take chemistry. If you don't take chemistry, you will not graduate. So here's when it's offered. We need to get it on your schedule. Right? Otherwise, how many people would probably fail to really f- fulfill the requirements of graduation? Okay? We have people outside of our situations that are speaking into that know the road, that know the direction. The psalm says that the word of God is, is a counselor. I want you to think about this for a second. Do you 
have a tendency to live above counsel. Do you seek the advice of others? Hey, what should I do here? Are you just independent? Like, this is just what I do. I know what I want to do. Because as Christians, we have a tendency to just, I know know what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. But here's what Proverbs 19.21 says. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You've got to think about that. Okay, like, and maybe you say, yeah, I seek the counsel of people all the time. I, I, yeah, what do you think I should do here? I, I, I have advisors in my life. I have accountability in my life. Okay, those people are outside your situation. Okay, the scriptures say that the word of God is a counselor to us. But here's what's crazy is God is in your situation. Okay, so when you fail to, to seek the counsel, the, mo- the most wise counsel, you fail to go to someone who knows your heart. Listen, who knew that at 8.30 this morning, the last thing I wanted to do was get up in front of you guys and preach this message. Like, I didn't know what to do with that. I'm like, this is like the most passionate psalm in the Bible. And like, I just want to like leave. Have one of the interns preach or something. But listen, so what I do, I sent some texts out to a couple people. And they just sent me some scripture and said they're praying. But I just prayed. And listen, God knows our pain. He enters into our pain, into our struggle. And he's able to give counsel that's on a level that no one else can give counsel to. Better than any professional, better than any best friend, better than anybody. The word of God is is a counselor to us. Um, It's why the psalmist some 20 times talks about teachability. I want to show you this because this is powerful. One of the things you should do this week is you should go in your Bible um, and you should look for every instance where the word teach or teach me or learn appears in Psalm 119. And if you're smart, you'll see that I'm about to give you every one of them. Um, And you can go check them out. Um, But let's look at a few. Verse 64 says this. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Verse 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Verse 102, I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. Are you teachable? Before man, before God, do you come to the word of God Wanting to learn. Because David, he's like, I make your, your law, my meditation all day long. But he's also like, God, teach me. At times you're like, God, this guy's arrived. And then you're like, oh wait, he's humble and he's honest about where he's at. Or where he's not at. Are you teachable? And maybe today you realize, man, I, I'm not. Here's my confession. Here's what, here's, what I would, sorry, here's what I would encourage you to do. is confess that to somebody. Pray to God. 
but tell someone, I want to be more teachable. Will you help me in that? Will you help give me counsel in that? And then take all of these instances of teachability and pray those. That's what we're going to talk about next week, praying Psalm 119. Number four is light. Look at verse 105. It says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I love that. The unfolding of your words. You know what that's talking about? Like the depth of layers of, that are present in the inerrant, inspired, perfect, eternal word of God. Gives light. Uh, when we moved into our new house several months back, one of the, the things I had to learn was like how to navigate in the dark. Okay, like I was like running into my dresser or running into like a wall. Like as I'd never, I wasn't familiar with it. Okay, um, but even then, listen, here, here's the interesting thing, is the more you walk in darkness, the more familiar you become with it. Okay, but listen, you will always stumble at some point. Okay, there will always be some rescue hero in the hallway that you'll trip over, okay, or a shoe sitting in the living room that you'll, you know, almost break your neck on, okay, the Word of God gives light. It's like, okay, God, where do I go here? You're the eternal God. You have a plan for life. Show me where I step. Do I step here? Do I step here? Okay, and here's the crazy thing, is that he walks with us in that. Okay, because the Word of God leads us to the eternal God. It's not just wisdom apart from a present reality, a person a God who wraps his arm around you and says, I'll show you the path. I'll illuminate the path for you so that you won't stumble. I came across this passage this week, verse 133. Look at what it says, verse 133. This is just phenomenal. You need to make this your prayer this week. Keep steady my steps according to your promise. And let no iniquity get dominion over me. Like when we see the word of God as light, it steadies our steps. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Like God's, God's law, God's word has the ability to throw the rescue heroes out of the way. Remove the shoes out of the living room. And steady our steps. Doesn't mean there won't be obstacles. Doesn't mean we won't fall. But our path is seen, lit up. Number five is life. Um, This is probably one of the most predominant themes in Psalm 119. And I'm not going to read every one of these verses that you see up there on the screen. But let's read a few of them. Verse 17. Verse 17 says this. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 25. 
My soul clings to the dust. Do you believe that this morning? Like that you're nothing but dust apart from give me life according to your word. Verse 37. Incline my heart. I'm sorry. Uh, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. How prone are we to look at things that are just worthless? Psalmist says, I want to find life in your ways. Verse 40. Behold, I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Give me life. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction. Church, are you afflicted this morning? Is anyone in despair this morning? Is anyone looking for some comfort, something to revive your heart or your soul this morning? Here's a good one. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. What's God's promise? Gosh, there's a lot of them. But that he's with us, that he loves us, that he's watching over us, that he'll protect us. Where do you find life? What is it that like when you're down, when you're struggling, what do you do? Where do you run to? That guy, that girl? Do you find life here? The Bible says that the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. Why is it that the word of God is alive? Anybody? What do you think? Why is it the word of God is alive? Because God is alive. Because God is alive. We read it earlier, John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And I fear for those of us that maybe think that you're navigating your path in such a way and you're doing okay. And you don't feel like you need to come to find abundant life in Christ. But more than that, I fear for those that know they're not okay, yet are deceived into coming to a God who says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. So here's, a, I just want to ask you a couple questions as we prepare to respond. Is, 
what is it that the Lord's pressing on your heart in this morning? What is it? And which, which one of these images maybe clicks for you? Where do you go to find life? Where do you go to find counsel? And maybe our first confession this morning should be, God, forgive me that I don't love your word. But maybe the best prayer we can pray is, God, help me get there. Right? Help me get there. So I just want you to confess to the Lord. Here in a second, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to close your eyes. It's hard in the day and age that we live. With a busy, distracted society that we live in. To see the importance of sitting with Jesus, reading the scriptures. Just to ask God to help you. God, we come to you. God, we just confess that we're not very good at this. We just confess that some of the confessions of the psalmist here are pretty daunting in our eyes. But we pray What verse 18 says, that you would open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Maybe some are here today that think that's just such a weird prayer. Would you work in their hearts? Would you work in my heart? My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Would you accomplish that in us? Would you make your word of God seem alive to us? Make it seem of importance to us? God, that we're helpless. We're hopeless. That we need counsel. We need advice. We need you to light our path. Because maybe for some of us, for so long we've been walking in darkness. Wondering why we keep stumbling and falling. Would you show us the treasure that we have that so often we don't realize we have. 
Would you lead us to know you more and more? God, thank you for your love. Would you stir our affections for you now? In Christ's name, amen.